0: Everybody, welcome to episode 4.0, player feedback and player data, or versus player data. After all, it's gaming, so we got to get a versus in there anyway. Hmm. Fight! Thanks for joining us live today on Twitch. For those of you who are listening in the podcast, we hope to see you on Twitch some Thursday in the future at 7pm GMT. I am Josie, who you might get used to seeing and hearing my name, also known as Sudo. And we have the best hosts ever! We have Chris. Hello. And we have Patrick. Bonjour. Ooh. Today, our special guest is Anthony Nardoza, who we are simply going to classify as hobby game developer. Shifty eyes.
1: (laughs) Those are some heavy quotation marks you're throwing out there, I gotta say.
2: I, I think that that describes me as well. I don't. I don't really do much game development these days, but I do really, really want to. So I still call myself an indie developer. casual
3: <laughs>
2: <clears throat> So, um, what about yourself, and uh, Anthony? What uh, if you want to introduce yourself? Give us a little bit yeah. of your background. Tell us what you do at the moment, and
3: kind of.
4: It. Yeah. So um, I guess I have been in various engineering fields for like 12-13 years now. Um, on my own for the past few years I've been doing some hobby game development and also some software development for work. Some I hate to call it data science because I don't do the sciencey part of it, but data investigations and whatnot. Okay. I mm. have no idea what, you know, trees decision trees and random forests and I don't get into that. But Right, okay. Oh, interesting. So A data you
1: data you... detective.
4: Mm. <laughs> yeah. Data shaman—that's the uh, the one I've heard. <laughs> I've heard all
2: kinds. Uh, uh, we, as we've discussed on the show before, job titles don't mean a right lot to me. I need to know what someone does so I can properly engage with them. You know what their what their actual job is.
4: Yeah, I'm so
3: ninja. I got this job. Of... I do.
4: Um, <clears throat> yeah, data analysis, data telemetry. Um, I don't do so much of the feedback looking at it anymore, but I wish I had uh, you know this kind of feedback for like the hobby games I make, but. Mm. I got like one store review. You know, it was cool.
3: Mm.
0: Also, if he sounds like he is from the past, you know, the nineteen eighties or something like that, it's it it's true. He he is um he is teleporting. Well, not teleporting. He's time traveling to us from the past, which is why he sounds like um he sounds.
2: That's a, yeah. a picture of Concorde's first flight in the background for those watching on the uh, stream, and it's uh yeah that's uh that's it's it's only yesterday.
1: Yeah, Only oh, yesterday like It's not
2: even a Concorde <laughs> it's, a, it's some kind of passenger plane isn't it
0: <laughs> Okay Well here we from go From the previous job <laughs> ah, Planes, trains and automobiles
4: Yes,
0: We're now going to move into our icebreaker question As we have at every show For those of you watching and for those of you in the future Who are listening, do get in touch with us Hashtag D&I Or if you're in chat just type it We want to know the answer to this icebreaker question from you as well Because, uh, as we know, we can ask people about their favourite developer languages, but it doesn't mean anything, because we are talking about all of that stuff as we go. So, your icebreaker question today, my friends. You have to pick teleportation or flight.
2: Easy. Easy.
1: So obviously...
2: Teleportation. No effort. I
1: don't have
2: to put any effort in.
4: Can I fly, or... Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: Superpowers! See, that
4: raises it like to a whole new level. Uh be there, like, a like a bird.
1: Ma- is there a mass limit on how much you can carry while you're teleporting and flying?
4: No, it's not like
2: a, a over-encumbered in Bethesda games, where you can't move anymore because you've picked too much. No, you probably <laughs> yeah, can pick whatever you want you go-
1: what you need to understand is that, you know, flight is all fine and dandy, but with teleportation, you break the fundamental laws of, of universe, like, uh, you know, energy equilibrium. You can suddenly reverse entropy. You can just teleport mass up from, from the gravity hole, keep dropping it down, infinite energy, bam. Like, the, the heat death of, of universe is not a problem anymore. I've literally solved the biggest problem of reality itself. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> mic drop, if you had a mic to drop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but- let me raise the
0: stakes for you then. Okay? Uh, Telekinesis or teleportation? And if you uh, hear crinkling in the background, I do apologize. We got a new washing machine and the kids are playing and all of the um, stuff. And by kids, I mean the fur babies.
2: Um, I would to- still stick with teleportation,
4: personally.
0: Commander Ethrical says teleportation, no contest.
4: Mm-hmm. I think you can teleport because you can teleport over there and just pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. With no See? effort. Again, once oh, again, you can no teleport
1: effort. And not... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I, I I like the
0: idea of that, but at the same time, I love the idea of being able to be like this bank has pissed me off. But that was <laughs> that was the,
2: that was the <laughs> that, I just thought They're about that.
3: Awakens.
1: That's the problem. Okay. If
2: you've got telekinesis, you can troll people in real life, and I'm not a troll, so I'm not interested in that.
1: Well, let 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 me offer you an alternative, Josie. That bank pissed uh, pissed me off. I teleport them into solar corona. Oh no no. <laughs> You are the one who can teleport you can teleport other people I you control- didn't. like that was that, I... that's why I asked it at the start like do i do I teleport stuff that I can carry at least or I can touch like how does it work' Because I mean I like if I touch the ground, I teleport with the entire planet like there is we need to start talking some specifics in here. This so reminds me of Super
0: Fight, that tabletop game where you get to build up your villains and your superheroes and go to town and fight each other and BS your way through it.
1: Oh, um. if you if you want a really great RPG tabletop RPG for that uh, with slight horror twist, uh, don't rest your head. It's um, it's RPG about like basically all of you are insomniacs and are slowly losing sanity and are in this weird place where your nightmares actually affect reality and there is really incredible explosion of escalation mechanically. So you can, you can really raise some hell there and it's like really superhero-ish in a sense. We'll mm. of this.
0: Bring out the eldritch horror. That's all I say. Hello, Cthulhu. We love you. Uh, from the old gods. Uh, by the way, Commander Ethercal says that he doesn't believe something that you said, Chris, although he didn't specify what exactly Th- That
2: was. was me not being a troll, I think. I believe oh, well. uh, you think I am a troll. <laughs> we shall see, won't we?
0: How very trollish of you. And I just made up a word. Trolicic. So now that we've gone through a little bit of this particular topic when it comes to superpowers and icebreakers, let's move on to what can be seen as myth or even like desperation. I know so many game developers. I know artists in general who die for feedback. Like they crave it. Like, it is the sun to their plant roots. And we also know that there is uh, something to be said for vocal minorities and vocal majorities. And also something to be said for keeping actual records and data. That's right. We're moving into the topic of the show, which is player feedback versus player data. Now, I'm going to shut my mouth up here. I'm going to let Anthony say a couple of things because he wanted to talk about this. And now I want to see why. Why is this important to you?
4: Okay, um, so yeah, this is a topic that comes up at work for us frequently, um, but we'll we'll make it very nice in general here, maybe game focused even. Um, so we get a lot of data. This data, you know, that's up to the developer. You can collect, you know, as much or as little as you want. Um, feedback, though, that's a little bit different when you're trying to either elicit or otherwise get feedback. If you look at, I guess you guys have Amazon. So, like, Amazon reviews, I think, tend to skew more towards the I hated this or I loved this. You miss out in the middle ground. And the same goes for any sort of, like, unsolicited feedback, it seems. Maybe even more towards the negative side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, This came up a lot recently with these, it's terrible, it's happening, but all the review bombs on Steam. So you have a game that went from a, you know, great release, Whatever decision they made, somewhere along the way, um, took that initial rating, and then people go and tank it. So you end up with, I lost the link here, but... Total War? Huh? Yeah, Total War. War was a good example, where you have these comments now where it's like, 800 hours played... Oh, this is the worst thing in the world. Why did they do this? I'm so sick of those. Things. I read,
2: I do a lot of um, survival games, and every time I read that, everyone's got 800, 500, 400 hours, and they hate it, and they give it a negative review. And it's like, how can you possibly do that? Playing that much, investing that much of your own time into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think though, I think though, most people are, you know, smart enough to see the see the discrepancy here. Because I know at least I do it. Like when I see a negative comment on, uh, like when I say a negative review with, you know, 100 plus hours, I'm like, okay, there's, there's something weird going on. But uh, in the same way, I could say, even though, so for example, even though I played a lot of World of Warcraft, like I spent thousands and thousands of hours in WoW, I wouldn't recommend it right now for many reasons. So there is, there is something to be said that play people who do have a lot of hours in a game, especially if it's a game that's constantly changing, that negative, uh, those negative feedbacks can, m- might be might be of value. Then again, mo- some of them might be actually shit because the guy got pissed or he ranged on forum and got banned and now he has a vendetta bo- uh, against the developer. But that comes down to re- to reading the content of the actual review, right? Hmm.
0: Well, I think there's something to be said for... Having feedback from players, but I also think there's something to be said for how that feedback is collected. I mean, if you look at Steam, when I want to do a review for a game, I have to edit my current review. I really can't just sit there and add an additional review saying, this particular version, they... For example, Seven Days to Die, one of the greatest things ever was back. I think it was Alpha 13, um, and someone said, this game, after putting in like a thousand hours into it, said, this game is shit because I'm all of a sudden immersion breaking. You can see, you know, my food bar, so therefore the game is broken. It's it's ended. I'm never going to play it again. And it's because of the fact that the way that Steam handles reviews, it's almost like you have to modify what you've already got present, and it'll say, yes, this is applied to a particular version of the game that's for release. But yep. it, that kind of, the way you get the feedback there is also um, almost a platform for bombing. Because all it takes is one person being unhappy with, oh, all of a sudden, pink is no longer pink and we don't have our skulls anymore. Uh, all of a sudden, it's horrible. So the game is crap. Obviously, everything is crap. So that can there also is, have an there impact. There's
1: something to be said. Um, so little known fact. I have... Uh artistic education, meaning I had, like in my school, in my high school, I had art majors and then I intended to go to study uh, art. And uh, one set of lessons, actually one year out of one particular lesson was entirely about taking and giving feedback, nothing by it. Like how to critique an art piece and how to give a feedback about an art, uh, art piece, how to talk about an art piece to people who don't know much about art and how to talk to someone who knows their shit. And all of that was part of my education. And I think that in modern and age where consumers have such a responsibility, um, in terms of just warning other consumers from shitty products, um, because lot of countries don't do that uh, adequately. Uh, I think that people really should learn how to, how to give feedback because that, that is a skill and it's a skill that not many people possess.
0: See, I agree with that. Now, for you, Anthony... (laughs) We agree, Patrick. This is a strange day. What do I do?
3: Um,
0: But yes, for you, Anthony, you have uh, put some games out there and you've gotten feedback and things like that. Have you, in your experience within the software design side of things, along within the game design side of things, have you found a method for getting feedback that helps you decide... What to do? What's right? What actions to take? What's to throw into the next sprint? Like,
4: yeah. So there's um, there's definitely a few ways to resolve it. So like with with the previous thing on the Steam reviews is you have I think a major disconnect there. It's like your data is saying that this person has played this game a ton. They're saying something else. How do you connect the dots there? Um, so one thing I've seen done, um, I think Blizzard did this in game for some of the the WoW betas. Actually was um, Specific surveys about what you you know what you just did like what how did you feel about this zone, et cetera, Like that, so that way you are um, trying to elicit specific feedback from the players, um, and also since then you're in game in an in game system, you can directly tie it to what they were doing previously.
0: I remember doing things like that, and I also remember as a player going, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I, I'm sick and tired of seeing this. Bring on feedback fatigue. Pound, pound, the pound,
2: problem pound. with beaters though especially open beaters is that the players just want to play a new game they don't care about the feedback they don't care about your your the, the products they don't they don't realize that their feedback directly well could directly alter <laughs> the future of the game you know um some of them think that all their feedback is the most important thing in the world and they'll and they expect everything that they say to be taken on board and to be put together and otherwise they'll boycott you or Uh, or bomb you you on Steam.
0: Commander Ethrical has a question for us, uh, and hello, Commander. Um, What limits should companies use when getting feedback? For example, to stop games becoming too easy because some of the feedback says, oh, it's too hard slash difficult, this game sucks. And this is an interesting question to me because we have... Like you said, we have this, people have tons and tons of hours put into it, and then a change comes along that either makes the game too easy or too difficult, or they change the uh, architecture or the gameplay, or they add new features to a product, or what have you. How do you balance out, like, how do you find the feedback that finds that middle ground? I mean Patrick just recently had to deal with the uh, level design where everyone was like this is too easy. He he changed it and everyone's now complaining it's too hard. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, uh,
1: to add that the uh, for little context the the ex- the difficulty here is that because it's a VR game so a lot of also depends on the physicality of the player.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, uh,
1: so
2: basically what limits uh-huh. what limits companies when getting feedback um yeah. I mean In my experience feedback from users as a as an enterprise developer uh, is invaluable and for me things like prototyping beta testing making sure that people have access early on to a a product with a vision of what it should look like best bearing in mind that these are the users and these are this is the user base the people that you're focusing on that you want to buy your products or or need to use it on a daily basis they're not buying it from you they're using it because it's by virtue of their job they have to mm. to make those people happy i found personally getting them involved really early that's the number one thing for me personally um, making sure that they're clear on on what they're going to get how they uh, uh, how they should feed back to us um, it's different in enterprise and games because you're dealing with the public in games mm. uh, and the public is well, shaky see, I, at the best of times.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's because of what you're trying to do. I mean, at least within the enterprise side of things, when you're developing an application or you're developing a tool or you're creating something it's got a purpose and and an intent uh this is set up to do uh github repositories this is set up specifically to handle you know uh load balancing like you have very specific directions and purposes for a tool or an app when you get into game all of a sudden you end up in a subjective world of fun Mm
3: mm-hmm
2: Because what I find fun is not (laughs) not fun to Patrick, you know.
1: Oh, like uh, here's the thing: fun can be very subjective. But to to gather that data, we would have to make some severe violations of privacy and ethics. Um, For example, because if companies could, if the question that ties nicely to the question, because the question is what limits should companies use. And I think the only limits are the legal ones. Uh, morality sort of goes out of the window because if companies could, they would literally record the webcam feed of you as you play, yep. uh, measure how your pupils dilate dial- to see what excites you as you play, matches yeah. with the gameplay and exactly what you did. What I mean, come on! You
2: say that in
4: jest, but that—that's the kind of thing that we're moving I'm towards. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I w- like—I would love that. So you know.
4: So I've actually seen um, beta testing to that degree, where they stick you in front of a webcam. Um, they can do eye tracking, um, but you are, as a beta tester, you're signing up for a much higher level of involvement than yeah. um, oh, your yeah. normal user. So there's always a, a grain of salt there. Like these are the the definitely more uh, invested, excited people. <laughs> Who are the the public or the, or the beta testers? The, the beta testers. Right, yeah. okay. So,
2: so um, were you talking about closed betas or controlled environments?
4: This was a, like an in-person one, so at a game studio. So. In,
1: in, in-house. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I don't know whether to find that incredibly creepy or not. But uh, to be fair, though, you know, when I look at it from the perspective that I come in, I mean, I'm not a game developer. I, I'm a supporter of games through Pocketbook and, and through, you know, other sides. But as a web developer, some of the key things that I look for in user feasibility is heat mapping and other things like that, which is a Mm. variation of it. Um, But I also, within application development, some of the most amazingly beneficial feedback sessions have been the one-on-one where the developer or the UI person or the person who's running the particular test sits with the user and says, right, show me what you do. I'd like to see how you use this tool to accomplish your goal, which is slightly different than game development because in game development,
1: you do the you do think, exact same thing. You, uh, you do the exact same thing. I think do do? I think
2: anywhere yeah. this this is this is laid out, you cannot um, expect a user, a one user, to give you all the feedback. And no. I think the oh, yeah. one-on-one thing is extremely valuable in that if you're observing, not as a developer, developers, as with testing, should not get involved with this process. In my experience, because they should be working on the feedback, working on the if uh, so there's a marketing team that needs to be involved, or if there's a um, whatever other teams, the hum, the more human-based teams in a in a business. You, well,
0: developers aren't human. Well, no, we're working no. with
2: technology. We don't work with humans. We work with other developers. We're not. None of us are human. We're all we're, we're all the alien cyborgs that love talk that talk a language that nobody else I understands. You don't know. Strongly
1: really disagree with you, Chris. I think like definitely developers shouldn't organize this. There should be they shouldn't make the decisions. That. Maybe
2: that's what I need to say.
1: Yeah, but I I really think that developers, even game developers, benefit immensely from seeing people how ha- seeing how people play their video games. Absolutely, I mean, like a lot of my fellow devs said that about Twitch streams, like seeing people. Play their games, made them realize so many things that were not obvious in development. And the same thing for me. Just a month ago, we had a round of um, you know friends and family in uh, in house uh, alpha testing. We had like ten people or so, and we just watched how they're playing video games, what uh, what is hard for them, what's not, when they struggle, when they get lost. Like that is really really useful as um, well. Do you know, I
2: just remembered. I've had. I've actually released a game. I forgot. I've actually released a game. I did an LD jam, uh, a little jet a Dare jam, uh, ages ago with a friend. It was that we did the 72 hour and we put this um, co-op kind of multiplayer single screen brawler together. Uh, but it was a bit. It was a bit unique in that the controls weren't as intuitive as they maybe should have been. Even though we put a screen up and said, "This is what the con- this is what the controls are," every single user commented on they couldn't figure out how to throw something or they couldn't figure out how to pick things up. What is pick up? And that's the kind of feedback that's valuable because most of the people said the same thing. Even though we'd been play testing it, we know exactly what to do. Why are you ducking? Why are you trying to get through that door? You can't get through that door. Don't be daft. That's what a developer says back to people, but. Whereas if someone else, I think else, it depends on the developer. It does, yes, it does. Yeah, but there's a lot of time in, in my experience. Developers, as we've said before, are siloed, and they don't really, they don't, they expect people to use the software or use the game the way that they intended it, and they don't realise that the user experience is a very valuable thing, and and it's separate from a UI or from from the even from the gameplay to an extent.
1: Yeah, but obviously you don't yeah. help people when they live test your game. Like that would be the the, the purpose of live testing. Like, I mean, like, wh- wh- why would you do this? So I'm, I'm like, I I I got like brain lock because I like I never even thought about trying to explain like uh, the thing that we did because we didn't have a tutorial back then. So we explained the controls, and that was it when player got lost we didn't tell them when they're going so you know like because like that's what we're testing for so I don't mm-hmm. understand why people would try no, to I'm not, steal- I'm not
2: saying you should but I'm saying developers do quite often do that because they have a different view on what they're doing they they are there to code what a lot of the time in a permanent position they usually told to co- what to code and they code it mm-hmm. and then that's it they have coded what they've been told and that's it they, they, they don't know the parameters outside of that and it depends on the developer yes mm-hmm. but it a lot a lot of them in my experience will have a very narrow view of what the user should be doing and if the user isn't doing it right it's their fault not my fault i've been told to do this and that's what it you know that's why i think developers should be separate from this
1: people like to that exist extent. yeah i i i <laughs> <laughs> Jesus you are you whole. sure you're
2: in your 20s are you sure you're not just starting out in the industry <laughs>
1: no i'm like i was very fortunate in working with really great people i guess you are, yeah. because okay. i i never and i never really had people thinking like that uh there w- there were intense uh, disagreements about the method of implementation of certain fixes but you know that the sort of cases are like you know how to beta test. Well, you know you can Google that and learn what you should be doing when you're beta testing. And um, when user doesn't know how to use your product, obviously it's you have shitty UI. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, I mean, come on, like how else? Like that is we don't live in the age when you had user manual shipped with the product. Like that shit, you know? Like at, at least I mean, you could have excuse. Days.
0: I miss those days greatly. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw manuals back up. Yes, manual. Oh, my. And writing in the manuals, like when mm-hmm. you had yeah. save codes and all that other stuff. But, you know, I'm old.
1: Yeah, um, like the load pieces. Oh.
0: <laughs> and, and all the 900 numbers back in the United States you had to call if you wanted support with a particular level. That's a whole other can of worms. Uh, that's the 900 support for games I'm talking about, not the other 900 numbers. But anyway. <laughs> Um, Comerthical continues on and is having a discussion with Envy inside of our chat about World of Warcraft. Now, every single person here on the stream has played World of Warcraft. I mean, death. I met Nards through World of Just, Warcraft. Mitch,
2: Just yeah, it, it only ruined my Warcraft. life when I was in my twenties. <laughs> it only life was getting in the way of World of Warcraft. Basically, that's yeah, like how bad it was. I remember those
0: days. What's, what's 150
4: days and hours? I don't remember.
0: <laughs> yes. What's um, a day?
4: <laughs> the, the, the played. Slash, slash played. And it tells slash... you
0: days... As an alterholic for me, I had to have a, a, a pl- mod plug-in whatever I can't remember what they're called anymore, where I had to see the total across all of my alts and that wasn't counting the alts that I deleted across certain servers as I was testing things or going around and good- but anyway the day, the
2: day <laughs> I quit is the day I realized there was a Domino's pizza plugin for for World of Warcraft oh God. forward slash pizza and I you can order a pizza without you while alt- in
0: flight <laughs> without I an alt cabin. Oh the longest flight you could possibly take and you could play Bejeweled and my entire guild was having, you know, competitions to see who could get the highest score. But going back to what um, Commander Ethercola pointed out, um, talking about how picking what gets implemented, what gets changed in a game or app um, based on the feedback you get, how do companies gauge what feedback they pay heat to and what feedback should just be binned because both can't be right, just as both can't be wrong. It's it's a bit of um, I wouldn't necessarily say an oxymoron. There's a fantastic word for when there is that Lane kind Devil's of
3: juxtaposition.
0: Well, there's there's a bit of a, a, a juxtaposition there. You know, when you have a whole bunch of players coming in, and let's go back to the Steam example that you brought up before, Anthony, hundreds and hundreds of hours in a game, right? A change gets implemented. The change could be, you know, was already on the docket, so people are basically playing early access games or what have you. And a change comes and all of a sudden you see, you know, your, your health meter uh, in the upper right-hand corner of the screen instead of in the upper left-hand corner. And you see a whole bunch of player feedback that says, oh, this is horrible. This is the end of the game for me. I will never play this game again. And yet you see data that you have even more players actually starting to play the game because now they understand the health meter. They get that there's health involved in the game. So how do you balance out the feedback that comes in versus what players are actually doing, that, that analytical data that you're pulling? How do you make that decision?
2: Sorry, just before we move on, I know it's very specific but if you want, if you, if there are players that do want a health meter and players that don't want a health meter, oh, give up. them a checkbox in the sec, in the settings. Simple as that, and it's dead easy to implement. You know, shut up but, you but, bloody.
3: I was
4: going to say, yeah, a fallback <laughs> ends up being multiple options. It's very hard to say this is the right thing, and we're not going to do anything else. Um, you need to, yeah, accommodate as many as you can, but not everyone. Um, I don't really think this is a point where, yeah, the the data is. I think, very important in these situations, and you need to have, you know, a robust enough set to say, hey, these people, you know, all of a sudden this boss has now killed everyone. So, oh, hey, look, maybe they have a legitimate complaint here. Um, and I think also tracking the changes, too. Um, there was a talk I saw where basically they, um, they, I mean, they tracked everything, like the... the Enemy health, the player damage, player health, and all these all these factors, um, and they were able to basically trace back people's feedback that something got too hard to some mob's health increasing for whatever reason, um, you know, some design decision that thought was you know independent of this, but it ended up affecting like a level too much. Um, the feedback in general, like. It's hard to, I don't think that's a good way to process actual user feedback. I think, I think someone um,
2: needs to take charge of it and, and basically filter the wheat from the chaff. Make sure that you're not just acting on everything. I mean, that's a number one thing, isn't it?
0: I'm going to bring up one of my favorite games right now, Warframe. During one of their dev streams, they did something really, really, really cool. They showed numbers. They showed data. Now, if you're actively engaged in the Warframe community, you've probably seen complaints about X Warframe or X Weapon or X whatever. And there is that whole, you know, feedback in that particular moment of time where this this needs to be nerfed or this needs to be buffed or what have you. Or this is never played. This frame is the worst ever. And yet when they showed the actual... Data in Excel spreadsheets because you know, data tabular form. When they showed the data, they said, While everyone that you may know is saying this, these are the actual statistics. This is like the seventh most popular Warframe, even though everyone is complaining about it. And they talked a little bit about how they make the decision between where they put their focus next because we have to be realistic, development time. Even feedback gathering time is limited by resource. We don't have unlimited resources. We just don't. So in in the case, it always ends up, for them at least, they try to weigh. And this is where a big part of the guessing game comes in. There is no tried and true method. If there was, there would be one game that ruled them all and there isn't. But you have to test it out and be willing to hear the review bombs while also seeing things. But I think there's a really important part. You said tracking, Anthony, I stress communicate.
4: There's, yeah. Communication is a big side of it. Acknowledging that you've, you know, seen, you know, XYZ points of view and taking it under consideration.
2: You know what? Um, I just, it just that just made me think. Just acknowledging that you've you've um, received a, a bug report or, or whatever um, is is a little bit infuriating, especially if you get a, a kind of a, a as a user. I mean, um, if you get like a, a template response uh, or your issue gets closed down after two weeks, like it does quite often on GitHub, because nobody's responded to it, and it's like, well, I've put all of the detail on here. Yeah, can you can we at least have a look at this? Is it's not not an issue? It's happening to me, so. But it depends on the type of report that you give the developers as well, or you give the yeah, company. Yeah,
1: aut- automated responses tend to be rather annoying, but I really value um, developers' openness. Like when they uh, like the weekly live streams, it's a great idea. I think it's one of the greatest ideas in the gaming community since ever, because. And again, what uh, the Warframe Devs did with actually showing the numbers, it's freaking brilliant because so many times... uh, Great example, Guild Wars 2. Early on, there were some development problems. And when the right released, there was uh, my favorite class, Necromancer, it was like slightly undertuned, but it wasn't big deal. Like it was a, it was like when you were the top hundred of the entire game, yeah, then it makes a difference because you play to literal perfection. But for vast majority of people, people were shit, so it kind of didn't matter. Uh, but unfortunately, the community didn't have an access to the data, so we had to we had to manually collect it. Uh, if we if someone wanted to make a DPS log, they had to manually collect the data from the chat from a recording and that's prone to mistakes. Hmm. So early on, uh, and I'm going so in-, in depth into that particular case because it's a just clusterfuck of what the fuck. So what <laughs> happened? Early on, when the rights released, players kind of felt that Necromancer is undertuned, but they were shit, so it, they didn't knew how much. The top players, from the top players, no one played Necromancer. So when they were making videos of like the top DPS build, the guy who did that A work was kind of shit and B, also fucked up the addition. So, the, uh, so, so the, in theory, the perfect Necromancer DPS was like 50% lower than it actually in-game was, mm-hmm. of what even people were achieving. So, suddenly there is this entire, and, and their confirmation bias kicks in, people are like, oh, Necromancer is shit, they're doing shitty damage. And everyone's yeah, of course it's shit. I feel like it's kind of shit, and I feel like my other classes do better. So, for years, the class was eff- uh, eff- effectively banned from raids. No one wanted necromancers. And developers didn't even like said anything or acknowledge the issue. They were like, oh, we slightly buffed it because we saw it's under tuned. And they, and they finally showed the numbers or, or they allowed a DPS matter in. And lo and behold, necromancer suddenly became like second on third DPS class for, for some seasons just by enabling DPS matters. So here, here is some something that shows you that how can you affect the player feedback as a developer just by showing sharing the data because I that think- would have happened if there would be some communication
0: I I think there's something else to be said for it, though. Um, I think, and when you start to get into big companies, so we're talking Activision Blizzard, we're talking uh, Warframe, we're talking like people who are considered, you know, the elites of the elites. We're not talking about us tiny little, you know, people who are coding in our mom's basement, if your mom happens to have a basement kind of a deal. When you go to make changes to a game, Reveal what the changes are and whether they are a, something you're just testing to see how it works or not. Or whether this is the change we're implementing, you know, try and work with, it for us, with us, for us guys, because, you know, this is something we've seen. Give it a fair shot. Give it a chance. I have seen something similar to this, and it was interesting to watch from sort of an outside standpoint, the secret world from um, Funcom. So the Secret World had a very specific style of combat, a very unique style of combat and uh, of role building. You literally had complete control over your wheel, as the case may be. And then they brought out Secret World Legends, which was focused on almost um, uh, Diablo-esque keys. And they limited severely everything and made it action-based so your mouse moved, your character move instead of you moving just with Wazda, because all of a sudden those keys were more important for casting your abilities and things like that. So it they took a very drastic shift. The feeling from a lot of people was it was so drastic. Some people never wanted to let go of their wheel as what it was called in the first version. And when I did the testing for myself, I actually found I enjoyed it more but I didn't like how they cut out the complexity because that was one of the things that I loved about that game was the complexity. But you see that kind of stuff happening. If they had said, we're just going to give this feature set a test and see how it goes and let's get feedback on it. Great. And if it works out, they could say, hey, guys, here are the numbers. Eve, oh, my God, Eve. EVE is all about the data. Holy cow. I love reading when the EVE developers release information about the data, the feedback, how many players, how they had to modify their servers to handle server loads, and why EVE battles can take seven hours for like a two-minute fight. You know, it's, it's fascinating to see. But if you just sit there and like say, this is the change, this is it nothing else is coming and you just have to accept it to me it almost feels like a slap in the face as a player or even a user who wanted the microsoft ribbon just asking you know it just sort of showed up one day to users and it confused them there wasn't to me enough of a communication that said this is changing and here's why
2: you see you've got to be you've got to be careful uh, and it's a running theme here especially through the last two examples you've both given People are scared of change in general, and people do yeah. not like being uh, anything new being forced upon them, and this is in every aspect of life, let alone games. Now, gamers generally also have, uh, or feel like, especially if they're beta testers, they have an ownership of a game as well. They don't, as a general user, know how much effort goes into it how much money is spent on it they just hear the big numbers for the big AAA games and and think wow, well, that's like hollywood numbers let's not even think about it you know they forget sometimes that what they say can sometimes personally offend people or can uh, maybe not be as constructive as it should be even in a beta uh, a closed beater uh, scenario usually better in closed beaters of course uh, but i think yeah change people actually uh, not enjoying something versus something being more practical in a game or in a piece of software uh, is is a, a key identifier for, for positive feedback, I think. Yeah, I'd experience. say
1: uh, we, we briefly talked about this topic, and I'm going to bring it back like a necromancer that I am. Um, <laughs> I wonder what he plays in Guild it, Wars. Uh, <laughs> um... I think like there is there is a huge importance in uh, having a psychological sacrifice in a company meaning someone who reads the player feedback <laughs> but doesn't develop the game so he won't take it personally yeah, because maybe. unfortunately like when you get big enough which you know thankfully I never did, but, I, but you know, I, I know people. And when you get big enough and you still want to maintain this you know, openness and one-to-one communication, first thing first, it's not one-to-one. It's one to 100,000. And second, uh, humans have negativity bias. It's built into us biologically. There is no way around it. No amount of conditioning or learning will get rid of it, meaning we pay way more attention to negative stuff in our life than to positive, because Mm. the negative stuff tended to kill you, whereas positive just made you live one day longer. So kind of important. Unfortunately, that means that right now you can read 100 positive messages and then read one very vicious negative one and your day is ruined. And that's gonna wear you out, so we gotta have psychological sacrifices in company.
2: I like that title, is that a psychological sacrifice officer?
1: Uh, yes, uh, a, <laughs> it's a good
2: title. I
1: like that. Yeah, ex- executive We're uh,
4: throwing you out there and yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Actually, it's it is that is a thing um, within uh, the police forces and stuff like that. There, because of and and in the legal world, because of some of the cases and the content of certain cases and things I like that. Google. Yeah, you have to. Um, be willing to make that sort of sacrifice because you can be psychologically scarred by things that you see um i mean feedback in general it's one of the things we crave but it's also one of the things that i believe exactly what patrick said i think people need to be taught how to give feedback Hmm. and i think people need to also be taught how to do critical analysis because if I'm going to sit here until the day I die and I'm going to say that The Secret World and The Secret World Legends is a brilliant game because I am emotionally biased to, I really like this story. Do I believe that they have the right mechanics and things like that? Possibly not. It, it, for example, Fallout. Absolutely love the stories of the Fallout franchise. Gameplay is shoddy, but I'll easily forgive that because the story is great, which is why 76 is such a letdown. So, you know, that kind of being able to recognize, even with the feedback that I give to some of my clients, because I beta read a lot of books, it's the, what do you like? What do you not like? What is your actual bias? So if I'm reading a horror novel, and as Envy will tell you, I don't do horror very well. I, I actually have issues with horror. When I do that kind of feedback, I'll go, be aware, Horror doesn't work for me. It does bad things for me. But I really like the way you develop this character. Or I really like the way that this particular story arc went. Or I like the way that you implemented this particular game mechanic into the game. But I swear to God, you give me another jump scare, I'm going to punch you in the face. You know, See, th- th- there's being able to give feedback and critically think is something I think is almost a lost art form.
2: Oh, this is interesting. Uh,
0: Ethrakal. Ethrakal. Commander Ethrical.
2: Commander yes. Ethrical has just said he disagrees with people being able to give taught uh, being able to be coming I mean, to be taught how to give feedback, mainly because I th- he thinks that all feedback is relevant and all feedback, bad, good, negative, positive, abusive, non-abusive, is all relevant. Now, I, I didn't say abusive, but I was thinking about abusive. <laughs> I was thinking Etherical
0: about. Did that mention abuse? Oh. I was thinking
2: about abusive feedback myself. In that. In my instance, whenever I get feedback or I give bug, uh, bug r- r- reports, things like that, I am a technical person and I am as objective as I possibly can. And I, in almost every situation, try my hardest to take myself out of it and take my own opinions and uh, away from it and try and figure out what the business the company the objective the values or whatever it is that the company is trying to get across that is the priority and that's what's important when it comes to dealing with the feedback it's different for every company some companies thrive off the negative feedback and implement everything whereas others will just take you know i mean if, if i was uh, if i actually published a, a game on steam what the game i did publisher said wasn't on steam i pr- probably People get abusive in any way, shape, or form, or get personal. It's it's the, all of their feedback is dismissed. For this. I mean, even if there's some gems in there, which now I'm saying it out loud probably doesn't sound like a good idea, but if they're abusive to me, that's a values thing. That is immediately there's no re- there's no need for that. There's no need yeah. at all. And but I'm, I'm doesn't gonna, mean it's not I, valuable. So mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> exactly, and I'm gonna vehemently disagree with Commander, because. Uh... Um, definitely. If it is if it is a criticism, then I agree with him. But I think he just means any sort of critique. And saying mm-hmm. X is shit, what? No, he's clarified. Him?
0: Totally agree ah. on the abusive feedback. There's never a good reason to be rude or a bully.
1: Yeah. So here is so here is what I've been told and what I agree with. Uh, saying X is shit is not a feedback. No. It's an opinion. An opinion is worthless. Like I don't give a. About your opinion. Uh, But saying. (laughs) Well, alrighty then. (laughs) You heard it here. (laughs) Look, look, um, opinions are like your privates. It's good to have one, it's good to be proud of it, but don't whip it out in public or shove it into throats of children. Uh, So. (laughs) Oh my god! That's
2: right! So, I think. There, there is, uh, it, dealing with that feedback, again, it probably takes a certain type of person as well. I think if you're, uh, even if you're thick-skinned, you're going to get offended by something at some point, because it is your baby, you know, as an independent developer. Um, you haven't spoken for a while, Anthony, so I'm going to ask you, What? how do you, do you take things personally when um, when when people give you feedback? And have you had much abusive feedback or non-constructive
4: feedback? I have... Uh... For my personal projects, haven't gotten a lot of. I mean, most of the feedback has been very, you know, useful because I've only shared it within, you know, developer circles or friends or stuff like that. Um, professionally, I have seen the full gamut, um, and I mean, even in, you know, the professional, like the the non-game stuff, it's kind of hard to not be, you know, attached to what you've been working on for potentially years. Um, so yeah, seeing something or seeing like you know a crash that like you know lost someone's save or like it's it is painful and it's um, I guess it's like it's motivating to a degree like you see this stuff so like the like touching back earlier like I think it's a, a very good idea that like all you know everybody on the team should to a degree see this feedback um, whether or not it's been distilled or not by you know, your scape, you know, your sacrificial one, Uh, or even, you know, just uh, AI, like a text processor, even Um, it's, you know, it's important. And I I find it very motivating, but then it's also overwhelming. Um, You can't always fix every single little bug that might drive somebody crazy. And so I, mean, I
2: imagine professionally you get all kinds of bugs. Like you, you'll get things that are easy to diagnose and easy to fix. And then you'll get the one-off cases where a particular developer is working on a very specific project. And you have to see the whole picture before you actually... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I got again, I don't know exactly what you do, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it got to love
3: edge cases.
2: Yeah. Edge cases these,
0: are one of the greatest things because edge, edge
2: cases is essentially the only time that I do give feedback these days because I said I get stuck very, very rarely, but when I do, I'm totally stuck and it's not mm-hmm. a stack overflow thing and it's nothing else like that. So when you get an edge case like that, do you? Um, are you Cluster's first, second-line, third-line support, or are you, you analyze data that's from the projects that you work on?
4: So, yeah, I'm on the analysis and then basically hand it off to the dev's designers, right, whatever. Okay. So you're um, a bit past support. You're kind of...
2: you. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I... I um,
4: I get I get input on basically how we you know want to rank these things, but um, it's up to the you know the team as a whole to have the final say on these, okay. um, and especially the ones where it's like you know like this impacts one percent of the people one percent of the time, but it just ruins their world. Um, those are the ones where it's you know it's I don't know if there's a good way to go after those um, aside from you know <laughs> but do you not, all of your not resources it? But there's would you prioritize things. that? Would would that be a priority? Would
2: it get fixed eventually, or do you go right? This is too hard to diagnose. Uh, I uh, do, we, and you just can't. Have, you don't have the resources to do that. Does that happen, or
1: does it yeah, depend definitely. on like type of clients? It is like the if the bug affects like multi billion <laughs> companies, then it's like higher priority.
4: Yeah, my boss ran into this one. No, <laughs> <laughs> my boss filed this bug. Ah, oh, crap! We have to fix that. <laughs> um,
0: Stakeholders, there's something to be said in project management for their annoyance and their benefit.
4: Yeah, there is a degree of that. The squeaky wheel gets uh, gets fixed. Um, mm. But, I mean, it's yeah, a lot of it comes down to resourcing, um, and it's you're probably going to be you know very dependent on the the company, the game, the project, whatever's going on. Um, somebody might have uh, more resources to. You know go after those bugs where somebody might already be like working on the next thing they're already you know neck deep in the you know the dlc that's coming out and maybe it's not capable of being fixed at the time um it's yeah i don't have a good answer for it yeah it's a difficult well, I, one
0: I don't, I don't think that's it I, that, that's the thing i don't think there's necessarily a good answer for anything there's no bandage to working with feedback It makes, there isn't. I mean, I am watching Ethercola and Envy in our Twitch chat talking about, you know, the feedback, how all feedback should be important regardless of the type and things. And I look at that and I'm sitting there going, yes, I want to believe that my voice matters when I give feedback. But then I stop and I look at it from the perspective of, say, community management, right? Something that I do and I have experience in. And my brain triggers in the fact that I can have a Whole lot of feedback coming in, but I have to remember there's a rule there's the 80 20 rule, really, where you have eighty percent of the people who are never going to give you feedback, twenty who are going to give you some kind of feedback, twenty percent of what they give you is going to be actually relative in some way, shape, or form. and we have to remember that when it comes to trying to capture all of the feedback, it's impossible trying to distill all of the feedback is impossible which is why it is so important to have surveys to have actual physical data or statistics being um, collected or logging or something and there's also something to be said from a marketing perspective where if you try to respond to the vocal negative majority that it can be seen in such horrific light that it can throw a company out of whack as well. So that there's even like a whole nother side to player feedback. It's not just the what you collect um, from someone logging into your game and running around world and what buttons they press, their APMs, it, you know, that kind of a thing. And then the surveys that you set up, the beta tests that you specifically tailor. You know, you're not showing them the character model; they're just a gray block jumping from platform to platform, or however you choose to do that. And then the social side of the world, the marketing side, where the voice that speaks the loudest is usually the one heard, whether it's right or it's wrong. Mm. And because of the fact that we as humans, as Patrick pointed out, we have this sort of uh, negative bias, this cognitive bias, I'm going to automatically agree and see all of these things. I think there's a whole lot to keep in mind and trying to balance that if you are an indie developer. is complicated. If you are some big fancy name, it doesn't mean that you've got the resources to be and to hire an entire collection of psychological sacrificial uh, officers, you know, who sit there and troll through the 50,000 posts where someone's talking about, well, you know, this ability is absolutely crap because all the other abilities do this and this thing is not worth it in any way, shape or form. And, you know, having to sit there and go through that physical beating repeatedly is oh, that's, difficult. Oh, that's
1: nothing. The, the PS says, PS, get cancer and kill yourself. That's mm. what gets you.
0: See, that's the thing. When I see feedback like that, because I have received the death threats for some of the stuff that I've done, uh-huh. when I see things like that, my brain just sits there and goes, you've completely invalidated your argument. Yep. You've made it so that your feedback is almost unapproachable from me and i have no way of looking at what you have to say without having it clouded so that whole sort of rude kind of methodology that commander Ethro was talking about completely agree there's never a time to be rude no. however going back to what anthony said if you are presented with somebody who just updated the software updated the game and they can no longer log in they can no longer access what they thought they should have. They've lost all of their scenes. You know, they've lost all of their settings. They've lost all of their mods. Um, their game saves are screwed up. Like when you reach somebody who is dealing with that specific issue, every single one of us at one time or another has lost our shit because of something that has happened in an app, in a game, in software. In something We've all had that because it caught us at the wrong moment. The the stars aligned in such a way that we turned into Godzilla. Rawr!
2: Do you know, I quite enjoy the uh, <laughs> uh, kind of early access um release thing because I know what I'm getting myself into. I'm essentially an early beta tester with, with most of them. I am too. They do go that. on for a long, long time, some of them. Seven Days to Die is a great example of that, for example. I've, I've only just started playing, but it's been in beta, what, for five, ten years? I don't know, I can't even remember.
0: I take my hat off to them. They originally started out as modders Mm. and decided to take that step and go from being a modder, someone who enjoys changing and modifying games, to building something. And every single one of us knows what it's like to go, hey, I have an idea for a project, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Now, we can go on four days about this and we're going to have to get Anthony back to talk more because we basically have just completely, you brought the topic to us and left it in our hands. I see what you did. You wanted feedback on this, didn't you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, been, you I'm on what? to you.
2: It's been a lot more interesting a subject than I uh, originally anticipated. It's quite Feedback in general is something I don't think about that often as a developer because my feedback is usually one to one with a client um, and it's directly with somebody who's influenced the software in some way, shape, or form. I implement it, but they basically say, This is what we need. You make it usable, you make it Mm -hmm. efficient. You know, Uh, so yeah. Feedback is such a
0: nuanced topic because you have to take into consideration everything. You need to take into consideration someone's had a bad day. You need to take into consideration Mm -hmm. someone doesn't speak your language. So they're trying to get across to you uh, feedback, but they might choose the wrong words. And as we know, in Google Translate, if you use it, one of the things that it will do is it'll give you the complete reverse of what you were trying to say. So you could say, I love your game, translate it, and it will re- translate to your game is shit. So, you know, you have to be able to work it. It's very nuanced. And because of this particular thing, Anthony, you will have to come back.
4: We'll figure out a time. But yeah, we you will. touched on it. Quantifying, quantifying is is a big thing so like in the surveys where they have scales and text boxes um that's kind of a good way to balance out but still get everybody's input on it um i don't know of any good like free tools but like text analysis google translate is like freaking awesome if you get if you happen to get like multiple languages of stuff back um you usually have to dissect it a little bit but um it because that's another like i guess bias in, you know, getting feedback is if you are like something that's, you know, around the world or whatever um, and your team happens to be all English speaking or whatever, you know, it's it's another hurdle to overcome.
3: Mm.
0: Uh, I love feedback. I hate feedback. I love giving feedback. I hate giving feedback. <laughs> it's It's one of those things for me.
2: So are we going to have an RTFM this week?
0: We're actually, I think, going to skip the RTFM.
3: Okay.
0: Because, well, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll actually use our guest here. Guest. Anthony. No. RTFMs on our show are where you get to pick something that's currently bugging you in either the dev world or in your own projects or anything else that you're working on and gives you a little chance to rant. Do you actually have something that you might want to RTFM?
4: Um, we could go with something.
0: Okay, then I guess we're yeah. going to be running a little bit sure. late today just so we can get a little RTFM in.
4: Um, so I'm assuming most of you saw the BlizzCon stuff. Uh, <laughs> I heard of it. Yeah, a little bit.
3: Um,
4: this one I find as being someone who does feedback and processing data and all that stuff. Um, the Diablo announcement obviously did not go super well. But if you look at something like Fallout and Fallout Shelter that had the total opposite reaction, but it's arguably the exact same case. Like they took a fairly hardcore game, distilled it into something mobile. What is so different?
0: Oh, I can answer that question for you. I know. I know the (laughs) answer to this. The difference is in the Diablo Immortal case, it is your next Diablo game is on mobile. Thank you. Have a good day. In the case of Fallout Shelter, it was, hey. We're bringing you Fallout Four, but we're also bringing you a mobile game, and it's now available today. I and, and can I fun. Al-
2: also say as well that when they did that, they said they acknowledged and knew what some of the hardcore fan, Fallout fans are going to do, and they said openly on stage, "This is a crappy mobile game." They said that out mm-hmm. loud. Really? Oh. Yeah, really? pretty much. If you watch the announcements again, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was basically "we're aware." Lol, you know. But... I, I saw
0: the... This is I just saw something the... we wanted to do yeah. on the side of everything
1: else. We wanna, we wanna,
2: we wanna make like... some pound, You know, we wanna make money uh, on gems and coins or scrap bottle caps. I think it was in in that game. I was
1: just like the watching Blizzard like right now. is like watching a very slow, very slow train wreck, and it's. Uh it's a weird experience you know because i i i i see eification of a, of a company it's it's a great thing i
0: cannot believe that eification is ation e- is e- actually a, a descriptor and things like that and yeah that's amazing
1: english language we can <laughs> verb everything indeed but yeah right.
0: i, I... In that particular case anthony that i think is the answer
1: Indeed. they gave
0: oh. the fans what they wanted but they gave a bonus it's the same thing they're doing with blades you have your elder Scroll yeah. stuff but on top of that we're adding this additional thing hmm. it's, a, it's a very big different thing than someone turning around and saying uh your favorite game ever that you have played on console that you have played on pc The only thing you're ever going to see now is mobile versions of it. It's actually one of the things that was so destructive to um, uh, Snake. Snake! Snake! Oh, gosh. Metal Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid, sort of the same kind of thing happened. Yes, they lost somebody very important to the Metal Gear Solid franchise. But the game publisher turned it into pachinko machines and it made more money and that is how they advertised it in the future. You're not going to see another game like that because its platform has changed. You didn't give the existing fans something that they knew about. Instead of saying, we're just going to modify this ever so slightly and change it and introduce new gameplay and maybe a new story for you, they went, no. The platform is 100% changing and that's it. You got nothing else. To me it's... I
2: mean, I'm a, I'm a massive MGS fanboy. In that instance, I'm kind of glad they killed it, I've got to be honest. I loved 5, I loved 4, I loved all of them. They're all brilliant. But,
3: but
1: uh, Anthony, so what would you do if you would be in their situation right now? Like, uh, you just received a <laughs> nuclear bomb of a feedback essentially, like a carpet bombing with a nuclear devices. What do you do?
4: Oh yeah, I in. I think the timing of their announcement was just just flat out wrong. They had the wrong audience, the wrong everything like that. So, like, they should have course-corrected with some sort of... Like, because they said they're working on something, but it's like, okay, well, yeah, you can say that on the spot. Um, Like, they needed to follow up, like, the next week with something, anything. Like, the Elder Scrolls Six announcement was tiny, Mm. but that would have been enough, I think, to kind of, you know, course-correct on their decision. Um Well, it took them 10
0: days to come out and say, we are still working on Diablo 4. And then they also said that Diablo 4 was going to be part of the announcements, but apparently they pulled it. To be honest, at that point in time, as a a person who's a player, my only thought is, I don't believe you. Because I don't think you know what it is I'm after. So I think you're just trying to... Put out fires using blankets. Oh,
1: juicy! So here is a juicy bit of developer gossip. I don't know how much uh, how much truth is in that, and uh, it doesn't come from anyone co- working in Blizzard. So I know they don't break uh, any NDAs. On the downside, it's probably bullshit, but it's nice to hear. Um, apparently, they had uh, they had been working on Diablo prototypes, uh, Diablo Fall prototype, and then pulled it together like two weeks before the Blizzcon. But when they like when they, when sort of everything fell into the play, the place, and they played it, it was kind of shit. So and they didn't know what to do with it because most of the, if you're gonna look at recent, uh, recent firings from Blizzard, most of the top developers kind of left. So they had a product which is kind of like they tried to do something with Diablo, but they kinda couldn't get a good one, so they were like, okay, we can't announce that on BlizzCon, so they suddenly had, okay, what, what can we announce Diablo-wise? They're gonna eat our heads alive! Uh, well, Nothing would've been it, better. <laughs> yeah, we, we're doing that shit, but <laughs> oh my god, this is radioactive cash grab, and the execs are like, fuck it! It's Diablo, go with it. Oh, man. Yes. All the disconnects. Okay, so I think we should close yeah. uh, sh- the show now. That's a peak of
2: I think we should get uh, get everything tied up and, and get off. So, Anthony, do you have anything you'd like to pimp? Um, can you talk about your indie projects? Do you want to send people to a website or get a follow you on Twitter, wherever you do your marketing? Is it relevant to you, in fact?
4: I, I would love to, but actually all of my stuff has been delisted for one reason or another. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, maybe talk oh, about after, after I the show. I wish I'd known that before I invited you on. <laughs> Nothing sinister, just, uh, you know, time has passed, and APIs go out of date, and APIs went out of date, and some privacy thing, you know, that you might be familiar with. G-G-P-R. Could it
0: have something to do with a P, a G, an R, and a D?
4: Something general. You know,
0: something along those lines. Yeah. Some little,
4: you know, law that passed. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. So, no, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you can see his Twitter and it will be in our show notes as well. Feel free to send him pictures of really interesting technology because I know he gets fascinated by that. And also send him pictures of planes. Lots of planes. All of the planes, right? You want some (laughs) planes, right? I'm sure you do. Uh, As a reminder, though, to absolutely everyone, you can go to our website, dnistream.live. You can see which we're working on our previous shows. We're adding our podcast from Twitch into podcast form. You can find links to our Discord including our GitHub repo as well if you would like to get involved in some of the projects that we're going to be working on. And if you would like to be a guest on our show, come talk with us, debate with us, tell us your thoughts, share your things. If I could get Commander Ethercal on here, which I really want to do because uh he's a net admin dude. He's he's a Linux boy. Oh. I want to bring him in and and kick oh, on him and One of them is he? getting debates. Yes, I love debating with Commander Come on,
3: ben,
0: come on. <laughs> so at some point, I'm going to have to get him on. I also need to get on Talut um, Tepe as well because I want to talk about uh, boats and big boats and working with boats and stuff. So, uh, yes. But yeah, come on. You can join us. Go to dnistream.live. Fill out a contact form. Reach out to us on Twitter and other stuff.
1: Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at DNI stream where we post uh, random death pictures, fun articles, and random death humor. And <laughs> sorry that I'm looking that way, but my web my monitor died, so I, I'm uh, I'm running on a biocap <laughs> 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 Technical stream, difficulties. Halfway through the stream, and I'm like, oh my god, this is not ideal setup for me. Hmm. Ah. <laughs> uh.
0: Well, next week at 7 p.m. GMT, we'll have a guest. Maybe. Maybe. Mm -hmm. There's been a recommendation. We've gotten an email to talk about something, a very specific topic. Mm -hmm. And I really, really want to find the people who want to come out and talk this specific topic. And, uh, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm revealing nothing to my hosts. I am being vague on purpose. But um, uh, yes, topic. seven p.m. GMT next week here on Twitch, and uh, we'll have a topic. Just pay attention to us on Twitter or join our Discord. Engage with us in discourse as we discuss things and talk about stuff.
2: And uh, massive thank you to thank you to to thank you to Aunt Anthony. Sorry, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we hope to have you on again.
0: Yeah,
4: figure something out. So it's fun times. Good stuff.
0: (laughs) So, this is a massive heart's love. Thank you for watching, listening, and everything from the entire documentation, not included team. Thank you so much, Chris.
2: As always. I don't know why I say that. As always.
1: Because it's always pleasurable. Because I'm
2: always brilliant. Maybe that's what it is. (laughs)
1: We actually
0: have on our Twitter now We had somebody nah, we from the show no, no, my husband, no, Who no. Um, no. who made a snippet From last week's show Of Chris admitting that he's perfectly imperfect It's amazing Perfectly oh, imperfect It's, it's brilliant, brilliant. Uh, it's, it's a very Mary Poppins thing You're, you're perfectly imperfect in every way Absolutely uh, <laughs> And thank you again Patrick My pleasure And I am Josie And we will see you next week Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.